Hey you, and welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. I hope you are relaxed, chilled, and ready to take in this segment. With me today in the hot seat is Michael Jaquip, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who Michael is, and then we're going to dive into a fruitful conversation. So buckle up your seatbelt and let's go for a ride. Dr. Michael Jaquip is a PhD chemist who left the corporate world and now helps men everywhere discover how to get more of what they want and live the promise of abundant life. By combining analytical science, psychology, and the time-honored teaching of the faith, Michael helps men who feel stuck, confused, and powerless to unlock those chains and find what they really want. Michael is married with six children and lives in rural northern Idaho. So without further ado, let's welcome the man of it all, Michael Jaquit. Thank you so much, Innocence, for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk to you. That smiling face of yours is so contagious. My pleasure. So before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, you've already listened to the show. So I like to play a game with my guests. We could either do a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid, or an icebreaker. What are you in the mood for? I love rapid fire. I've always loved those. This is just excitement. <laughs> okay, here we go, y'all. We're playing rapid fire with Michael and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question numero uno. What is one word to describe you? Oh, Hyper analytical, go with that, analytical. Question two, what makes your fate so strong? It's been tested. Question three, what color are your eyes? Blue, same (laughs) as my wife's and all my children. Oh, nice. Question four, if you had the opportunity to trade places with anyone for 24 to 72 hours, would you trade places or remain yourself? I would love to trade places with somebody like John Maxwell. And I hope to become him one day. So I hope to get to it for longer than 24 hours. But I think that would be so cool. Ooh, okay. Question five. If you had the opportunity to have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be and why? I have to go for it. I would love lunch with Jesus. If I could like teleport back 2,000 years, that would be just the coolest thing. Oh, man, that's rocking out. Question six. Okay, are you ready for this? A father of six children... What's one thing that keeps you pumped up and motivated? We leave in three days for a week-long camping trip with 10 dads and 50 kids and no moms. And it's going to be awesome. And I just love doing stuff with my kids. It's just the, it's just the best. Oh, I love that. Question seven. What's your favorite food? Uh, I'm going to go with ice cream. Like I, <laughs> but I make my own ice cream now. So like the store-bought stuff, I just can't handle as much sugar, but definitely ice cream. Question eight. Would you rather a dream car or dream home? I'm going to go dream home just because I love to have, like, I love my, yes, dream home. Question nine. You get three random acts of kindness to do per day. What are your three for today? For today, I want to do something special for my wife. We just passed our 13th anniversary. And so I would probably show up with flowers and chocolate for her. Number two, I would do a surprise board game with my kids. We have a board game we love to play. And then number three, the neighbor down the road just got diagnosed with some pretty serious medical conditions. And so I maybe show up with some sort of uh, cookies or something for him. That is so sweet. I love those. So flowers for your wife and chocolate. 
playing a board game with the kids and then doing something for your neighbor that was diagnosed. That is amazing. And you still have time to get those three things done today. So get at it. There we go. <laughs> and question 10. This is our bonus question and it's a pass or play question. Are you ready for the rules? I am. Okay, if you pass, you throw the ball back to me and you get to ask me any question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So are we passing or playing? Ooh, I'm going to pass, I think. Okay, shoot. What's your question? What is it you look forward to most when your children get older doing with them? What's your What's your dream? Like, what do you visualize down the road? What's the favorite thing you can imagine doing with your with your kids? I would definitely say taking them on zip line adventures with my husband and I, because we started that as a couple and just to interweave them with us. I think that would be nice. really cool. That's an awesome one. I love these sort of dreams about what we can do in the future. Yes. Okay. So you pass. We're done with rapid fire. Thank you for playing, Michael. I hope you learned a little bit more about who Michael is, but let's not be stalkerish. And now we're going to dive into the work that he's doing now, which is transformational work, helping men transform as well as I feel like, you know, men are your staple, but I feel like you could help women too. So how do you help them break those chains? And if you know Tasha Cobb's song, break every chain, break every chain, how can we break those chains and help them unlock bondages, whether they're mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually? Let's go on this journey. So I want you to first lay the foundation. So when someone comes to you, Michael, and they say, hey, Michael, I'm really stuck in life. I don't know what's going on. How do you help that individual process? And it's going to be specific to each individual. I think, Genesis, the first step is almost always to get clarity about what's going on. Most of us have a story in our mind about the narrative of what's happening in our life and why we're stuck and why we can't do something. And most of the time, that story isn't quite right. And so it can oftentimes just be very powerful to sit down with someone who will lovingly and gently hold your hand and say, well, let's see if that hold makes sense and holds up to be true. But as we start to go down that path, almost invariably, we come to what I call a mistaken view of myself and or a fear about myself. And so sometimes as human beings, we, we get this, this primal fear. It could come from childhood. It could come from something that happened when we were a little bit older, some way that we're not good enough, we're not loved enough, we're not lovable, something there. And because this fear is there, we create a story to hide from the fear. But that story can sometimes take on a life of its own. And then becomes too strong for us to interrupt. And I mean, if you'd like to, I'm happy to dive in some practical examples, but this combination of a deep fear that I'm too scared to even face myself with how it creates the story that rolls in my head and takes control of the steering wheel plays out in a lot of these situations. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. I was trying to take myself off of mute, y'all. Um, but yes, I definitely feel like sometimes what's going on in our head could be things that have stemmed from internally, and it could be external factors that play into those internal things that happen inside of us, which could be from experiences in life. 
that can keep us in a place where we're conditioned. But if we don't dive deep in order to unlock where that's really stemming from, then we're not tapping into the root of the issue. And all we're doing is putting a Band-Aid over it. And that Band-Aid is covering it, but is that Band-Aid really helping it heal? Would you say that that would be a good analysis of what you just said? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the perils of all the self-help book culture. And I love self-help book, Genesis. Don't misunderstand. Self-help books are awesome. But I think a lot of times when we, it's just me in my own head with by myself, it's easy to not go to that deeper level that I really need healing. Stay at the top and be like, cool, I found the bad thought. I've just fixed that. We're all good to go. And that's not really addressing the real concern. Now, now I need to point out one other really important part that struck me as you were saying that, and I'm a man of faith. And for me, the faith plays a critical role in the work that I do. And so often the work is just getting down to this deeper lie, this deeper false belief and offering it to our Lord. And that is just such a powerful connection because he comes in and can bring a healing that no coach, even myself, as awesome as I am, can bring the level of firepower that Jesus can to some of these lies that are embedded in our hearts. And I think that's another, another super critical piece of how I approach this work. I love that. And faith is important to myself as well. So let's talk about some examples, because if you're listening and you may not be religious, but you may be more spiritual, these tips can help you as well, because it's about doing the work internally so you can become better externally. And it's not going to happen overnight because it takes about 66 days for a habit to truly form and stick based on statistics. Let me, let me jump into a real practical example here that should highlight this process really well. I work with a lot of men in, on their marriages. And here's the reality about how husbands, who especially if they don't have a great sense of what's going on inside, respond to their wives when their wives get upset. We husbands, when our wives get upset, we love to make it, while we're terrified not to make it, mean that we're failing. Oh, no she's upset. Something's wrong. I need to do something right now. I need to fix it. But what's really happening here is deep down, the husband is afraid of being rejected. And in this moment has actually rejected himself. And here's how I can prove it to you. If instead of whatever the wife actually said, if she instead were to say something like, would you please stop robbing banks? I'm so tired of dealing with cleaning up with police calls from all the banks you're robbing. He would sit there and be like, what? That doesn't make sense. It wouldn't affect him because he knows full well he doesn't rob banks, or at least I'm assuming most of our listeners don't rob banks. And that wouldn't sink in. It wouldn't be easy to catch. But when she says something like, I'm unhappy, uh, whatever the complaint of the moment is, he is deep down terribly afraid that he's not enough. He's not mad enough. He's not good enough. He's not whatever enough for her. And that primal fear is triggered. And so, so much of the process of the work I do comes with going down at this primal fear in this moment. We take specific situations and we say, here's the word she said. These are just words. Words don't have to have this gigantic complex meaning. And then I say, here's the meaning you took from these words. And here's why you took the meaning. Because of this fear, because of this weakness, you see, this is the part that needs to change because the reality is your wife probably does love you and accept you a great deal. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect, right? But your wife probably does. But she's never going to say the perfect words. Like we are humans. None of us say perfect words. And so we all 
need to learn how to take in the goodness in the state of imperfection that our spouses mean when they say these words. But in order to do that, we have to first address this fear. And this fear, and for this case, in this particular case, comes from a sense of identity. That's good. Who am I? And this identity piece can only be fixed by founding it in something other than your wife. You have to be more than just a wife copying robot slave, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I want to um, interject here from the women perspective, because sometimes my husband, he does like to fix things and, you know, men are fixers by nature. And sometimes I just want him to listen to me and actively listen, listen to hear and understand me, but not listen to fix the problem. For example, if I've had a hard day at work and my background's oil and gas, I did that for 12 years, but now I'm in the medical field and I say, okay, this is what happened. It's because you're my sounding board and I want to come to you, but I'm not saying, oh, honey, I want you to fix it. I just want you to listen and I want to feel heard and seen because I know that I can't talk about some of this stuff with my colleagues because I don't want to come off as nagging or I don't want any other outside perspectives and interjections to get thrown into the equation and things to get screwed. So I just want to talk about it with you. You're my mate, you're my husband, you're my bestie, and all of that jazz. So what would you say to that? Because I think some men are in that predicament, especially when we talk about marriages too. Oh, 100% Genesis. That is so common what you're describing right now. Two things I would say to them. Number one, we have to understand that among the many real differences between the genders, one of them, and you kind of alluded to this, is that men, when there's a problem, when something's going wrong and tensions are high, men want to focus the solution, whereas women want to focus on the problem. Now, if you're a man listening, that may shock you when I say that, but let me challenge you a little bit, dear gentle listener who's male. And here's what I mean by that. The vast majority of the air quote problems that we men like to solve are not actually problems in the first place. And so the female way of saying, let's just sit with the problem and explore what is the real problem can be incredibly effective. When I was in corporate research, the best man in the room was the, or the best person in the room was the one who'd say, let's slow down. Do we have the actual real problem here? Or are we jumping the gun trying to put in a slapstick solution that may make things worse? And so the women by native, just naturally want to sit and talk about the problem. Now, this is not better or worse. I'm not making any sort of comparative judgments. It's a different approach. And men, if you learn to value your wife's natural skill for talking about the problem, you can see how that's an asset she brings to the table rather than a barrier that you have to somehow try to jump around. So that's part number one. But part number two, as a man, you need to understand what you get into when you are married. Now, mm. if you think about it, there's a type of a relationship between two men and there's a type of relationship between two women. Yes. Those relationships are different. They're very different. Now, dear gentle listener, if you treat your wife the same way that you treat your male friends, imagine how that's going to proceed. You probably have never tried and, and good for you to not do that. Go ahead. Looks like you want to jump in. I was just pretty much saying, guys, if you're watching the video, that's a no-no. Don't treat me how you treat your male friends. We're not going to get along. 100%. But here's the point of this. The nature of marriage is that relationship is more similar to a relationship between two women. And so we men need to understand that we are guests. 
in what is effectively a female style relationship. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. There's, there's, there's no judgment in these statements at all. There's just merely looking at a description of what it is. Like I, I recently had a water line break in my backyard and I needed to first get an accurate description. What is the problem going on here? It was old cast iron that was rotting. I'm not insulting him. I'm saying this is the situation. In a marriage as a man, I'm a guest in what is effectively a female relationship. Now, here's what's interesting about being a guest. Um, right now in my front room, there's a bit of a mess there. And so, Janice, if you walked into my house as my guest, you'd see the mess in my front room, but you would probably not say very much. You'd be like, oh, Michael's a little messier right now than I thought. Um, I have six kids. There's always a mess in my front room. But you'd be like, oh, but you're probably very polite about it or you wouldn't say it. And you'd go with the flow. That's what guests do. That's what we all tend to do when we're a guest. And as a husband, you will get along much better in life if you treat yourself as a guest and allow her house to be her house. Now, you still get to set some terms of your relationship, but that's very different than understanding that you're a guest in what is essentially a female-style relationship of marriage. Does that make sense at all, Genesis? It definitely does make sense. Like For the men to treat themselves as a guest in that relationship, and the guest is partaking in the relationship, and you're doing it together is kind of how I took, took away from that. But then also, I would also add, Whenever you're a guest, don't make assumptions. Always ask questions right. in order to understand because if you start making assumptions, that's based on your perspective, but that may not be her perspective. And in order for a transition and transformation to happen, you have to go in with a clean slate with unconscious biases and no preconceived um, notions or judgments, in my opinion, because if not, you're already putting up a wall. I agree 100% with what you're saying. I think it's helpful to note that men and women use words differently. Like words mean different things coming out of our mouth. I was recently, uh, not recently, a while ago traveling in Germany, and I don't speak very much German, just a few basic words. And this lovely lady was trying to tell me some information about where to go buy some food. And it was so difficult to get communication back and forth because she spoke almost no English and I spoke almost no German. And it was this mix and match of words that we kind of understood. And I think marital communication is more close to that than we like to admit. Not because either one's better or worse, we use them differently. And mm -hmm. so if you approach this with, I heard the words, but what if I don't really understand what she means? You get a lot further as a husband. And I want to dive in there deeper because I know soon we'll be reaching our time commitment, but I want to dive in the importance of communication. How do we effectively communicate in marriages and how can that transform our marriage? We can go from having a dull marriage to having an extraordinary, awesome marriage just by tweaking and changing communication styles and how we verbalize with one another. And sometimes when, when I say verbalize, men hear me, sometimes there are two ways to communicate. There are verbally and there's non-verbal ways of communicating and non-verbal ways and you know just walking away is just as bad as communicating in my opinion absolutely 100 so so you, oh i was gonna have you dive in there michael <laughs> let's do that so i want to start by actually painting a picture to back up why this is so important if you're married how many times have you gotten to a disagreement with your fight or with your spouse separated for a few minutes to recover to lick your wounds and said, oh, this is so sad. I just like them so much. I don't know why we feel so upset right now. And I think deep down, most married spouses feel much more positive about their spouses than we're able to communicate. And a lot, but not all, but a lot of our disagreements just come because we've misfired. And I interpreted she's attacking me when she didn't mean to be. 
And I responded in a way that she interpreted as me attacking her, even though I'm really saying that hurt. But this gap in communication can cause a tremendous amount of suffering. So this is really important stuff, guys. If you're a gentleman who's like gone to bed with his wife grumpy at him, you know what I'm talking about right now about the sadness you feel that, oh, this shouldn't have been this way. So let's slow down a little bit and talk about communication. Men and women live in a different framework relative to how they use words. I said this before. In the female sense, a lot of the female power comes from her emotionality. And her emotional and her emotional viewpoint, her emotional connectedness with the world is a very, very powerful part of how she connects with and serves those around her. And this, from my pers- and my faith perspective, is a great gift from God. From the male perspective, he lives in a much more rational perspective of the world. And his analytical skills are, and this is this is some exaggeration, some generalization here, of course, but there's a core of truth here. And so when a man says a set of words, it can sometimes come out in a way that has a different emotional context to her when he just meant irrational. And when she says a set of words, it can sometimes come out in a rational context that doesn't make sense to him. And she meant it from an emotional context. So guys, remember how I said, you're the guest. You're the one who has to ask the clarifying questions because you're the guest. You're the one who doesn't really know what's going on. And if nothing else, Michael's first rule of communication is simply this. Here's marriage communication 101. She talks, he listens. That's it. I'll give you one more pro tip, guys, here. Never, ever, ever, ever argue with your wife. You're allowed to disagree. You're allowed to choose different paths. You're allowed to have a healthy discussion. What do we do with the kids? How do we want to handle finances? 100%. But that degenerative argument where you sit there, well, I think that's, oh, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. You will never, ever, ever win. So just don't do it. Retreat for a bit if you have to. Affirm the relationship if you have to. Clarify, find what you can bond over. But that sort of back and forth argument is utterly toxic. It's not communicating, it's destroying. So in those moments, affirm the relationship, go back to the inquisitive questions. You are the guest in that relationship. Wow, those are amazing. And you and you wouldn't think that you would have said that, like, um, Michael, because sometimes guys are like, I just want to get my point across. I want to be seen. I want to be heard and et cetera. But then it's also like, are you getting that from social media? Are you getting that from the external world? Is that biblical based or where is it? Because there's so much information out here in the free world that's vying for our attention. And I feel like it is destroying marriages. And the reason why I said this is because I was listening to a sermon and I think it was from the ILS um, conference, so the International Leadership Summit that Bishop T.D. Jakes just did. And he was talking about marriages and, you know, preparing for your home and et cetera, and how we need, if we need to work on home, but sometimes we're so busy working on outside factors that whenever we come home, we don't have enough energy to give into our home because we've allowed so many other things to plug into us that we can't plug into ourselves in order to plug into those that um, love us and need us. So we're just giving whatever. And when when you think about communication, it's like, okay, do you communicate with the outside world the way that you communicate with your home? And if you're communicating with people outside of your home better than you communicate with people in your home, there's an issue with that. It's so true. And there's a there's a dozen, dozen different ways to go there, but I want to maybe show this one other perspective out there. And I can argue this either biblically or from, from a, I'll say, purely psychological standpoint. Men understand it is your job to care 
or your wife. It is her job to accept and support you. And those are different jobs. We can look again, we can look at this biblically, we can look at it psychologically. The reality is when I am asked who needs to be the one who lets the other person have you know, their emotions, have their say, get their word across, it's got to be the man. You've got to serve and take care of your wife. She needs to talk. This is why my rule, she talks, he listens. Now in the business world, the nature of those relationships is more male to male. Even when women are involved, when we're in a highly competitive, high stress business environment, it is by essence, a more masculine energy of relationship. And that's fine. But understand the ground rules, the terms of where you're playing. And a lot of guys like to stay in their masculine environment at work and without any transition, walk into their home and bring that same masculine energy, drive, efficiency into the home. And that is utterly toxic. It's a different type of relationship. If Would you do the same thing? Let's use a silly example. If I wear a suit to work and then I go meet my family at the beach, will I leave the suit on as I jump into the water? No, I'm going to change my clothes. I'll change what I'm wearing to adapt to the situation. And guys, you got to do the same thing. It's 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 a different emotional environment. It's a different relationship contextual environment when you get home. You got to take the business suit off and put on the, I'm going to be here to be a husband for a, for a woman that I love. And I'm playing in her room with her rules as her guest. So true. And thank you for giving that practical tip and example. Now I want you to give the audience some homework because what good is hearing this content if you're not going to take what you have heard and apply it so you could become better in your life? What is some homework that you want them to follow? Okay. So this one's, this one's going to be a little bit tough for some of you, but I want you to try anyways. If you are a man, I want you to find one man you trust 100%. If you're a woman, find one woman you trust 100% and ask them, say, hey, look, here's something that's going wrong with my life. I want you to sit there and hold me accountable for what I'm going to say and just really share it and dig deep. It's got to be something you trust, but here's the deal, Genesis. We, as men and women, need to have this deep, powerful communication, intimacy, and vulnerability with other men and women. If a man with a man, woman with a woman, because there's a type of communication that occurs between the same genders that cannot occur cross-gender. This is just a reality of psychology. And if you do that, and if you're willing to be vulnerable and intimate, a lot of guys think intimacy means physical. That's not what I mean. I mean emotional intimacy with another person of your same gender, and they're a good enough person to hold you accountable for what you say, you will experience significant change and profound insight that you would not expect to get. I like that. And that's some really great um, homework for them. So find that trusted person to use them as an accountability partner, ask them to hold you accountable for something that is going on in your life and make sure that person is not just a yes man or yes woman that will just tell you what you need to hear, but will also give you the hard things that you may not want to hear because that's going to help you grow personally, professionally, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So also know who that person is and know, can you go with go to this person in the good times as well as the bad times? Because sometimes we go to people where we know that they're just going to cheer us up when in actuality, we need someone that's going to get down and roll around in the grass and get muddy with us. 100% agree. Well said. So, um, Michael, I want you to leave the audience with a quote that will help them with their transformation. And I also want you to let them know how they could connect with you to go deeper on the content that you speak about. I believe it's Theodore Roosevelt. I could have the source wrong. Who said, if I were to kick 
the person in the pants who is most responsible for all of my problems through life, I would not be able to sit down for a week. And I think this is really important because some of us want, so many of us want to play the victim card. And the reality is we have way more power to change our lives than we think. So if you want to find me between reach with me, I am a faith-based coach. I will work with anyone of the Christian faith. I'm a Catholic by nature. So that is what I am. And that's how I identify. You can find me under Catholic Life Coach for Men. It's the name of my podcast. Throw a .com on the end. That's the name of the website. Catholic Life Coach for Men. Easy peasy, y'all. Nothing longs. And you just heard from Michael Jaquith, and he is putting out amazing content. So just trap into his ecosystem and don't just hold this for yourself, but share it with other people in your life that can benefit from this as well. And if you enjoyed today's segment and you enjoy the overall format of the podcast, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button and leave me a comment on YouTube or any audio platform that you're listening into because digital currency is amazing but I also am looking for brand sponsors and ambassadors it is paid sponsorship because it does take monetary things to fuel the mission and movement which is to bring you content that is educational inspirational and motivational while I also like to weave in my personal ethos which is diversity equity inclusion and belonging because it does take all of us coming together to make this world a better place and we want to leave this world better than we found it and it starts with you making an imprint in order to drive an impact for you to be a world changer and those that follow suit with you so until the next time signing out michael jaquith and genesis amaris kemp have a blessed and prosperous day